0: As working up to 15 hours a day. That's not healthy. That's a recipe to burnout. I became a human doing because I kept doing, 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 never finding a moment to just be. And so, Join Plain Sight came about as an experiment for me to actually see if I could pull myself out of doing mode and get into being mode, which meant for me paying attention, focusing my time and attention into the small things that to me matter a lot. It's the small things that ultimately create meaning of a meaningful life.
1: On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Katya Davidova, public speaker, workshop leader, and ball of energy that found herself stuck without passion for her work or daily life. We'll hear how Katya got out of her rut by challenging herself to form new habits each and every day, including the habit of finding joy. We'll then follow Katya's journey of joy seeking that led her to finding true happiness and fulfillment and writing her first book, Joy in Plain Sight, a roadmap for all of us to do the same check out the show. Welcome to the creator community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,300 published authors from six continents and has earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. Magazine 5000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode eight of season four, and today I have with me Katya Devi Dova. Katya is a Los Angeles-based author, leadership facilitator, and coach who helps humans flourish. She holds a master's degree in organizational development and knowledge management, leading hands-on workshops at companies like Google and Netflix, investing in others' well-being as a habits, workplace, and lifestyle coach. Her past expertise is in people operations, higher education, design thinking, and consulting. Katya views life as a treasure hunt, she believes every day contains at least one moment that ignites wonder or joy, and that is our job to uncover and savor that tiny treasure. She also does handstands on mountaintops. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. Befriends strangers at the grocery stores and concerts, and runs through the world trying to catch every last ray of sunshine. Gotcha. Quite a bio. Lo- lovely to have you here. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, John. It is truly a joy to be here with you.
1: Really a pleasure. So before we get uh, too much into your book, which I can't wait to talk about, Joy in Plain Sight, due out this May 2022, tell us a bit more about your education and career journey. How did you land here, my friend?
0: Sure. Such a great catalyzer question. At the core of my work is this desire to help other human beings thrive, especially in the workplace, because after college, I worked for an organization which didn't really value its people as people just as employees. So I knew there had to be a better better way for us to actually show up as our full human selves. So I went into consulting, went into higher education, went and got that master's in organizational development and knowledge management with the goal of crafting experiences, workplaces, where people can really show up as their best selves. And now I get to do that every single day, which I'm just so incredibly blessed and privileged to do, to be able to teach managers, executives, and individual contributors on leadership skills how to be a good strategic thinker, how to be an influential communicator, how to have great feedback and coaching skills. And at the end of the day, I close my laptop. I'm like, wow, I think I made an impact. And that feels really meaningful to me.
1: That is powerful. I'm curious, because your book is called Joy in Plain Sight, Was there in this first organization? And we certainly don't have to share the name, but how did you figure out that sort of joy? how, How did this concept come to you? Because it sounds like maybe you weren't finding a lot of joy in plain sight here. How did you recognize that? Maybe for others that are maybe feeling similarly struggling or trapped. You know, how did you how does this sort of moment of awareness come to you in that job?
0: Absolutely. I just remember this moment in that job. It was about three weeks after I got it. And remember that this is my first big girl job after college. I found myself actually sitting underneath my desk crying. And I remember saying that, I was like, I can't code this statistical analysis software. My degree was in human flourishing. It wasn't about coding statistical software. It's like, this is not the way to go. And some other behavioral markers that kind of showed up over the course of the next few years is something we might be familiar with, doom scrolling, right? Just melting into the couch, feeling as if, oh, I can't really get up. I can't really get the gumption to get things going. And those little tiny behaviors made me think, well, there has to be a better way to be more energetic, to have a little bit more vivacity in my life because we've only got one life. So how do we find that? And that became my guiding question over the ensuing years and months.
1: So I'd say that feels like a sign, hiding underneath your desk, crying at work and not wanting to execute on your job. And I'm guessing it was because you didn't feel particularly valued or well-treated. Is that a...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a a very high stakes sort of environment, but... What I learned from that is that I wanted to go into the field of organizational development. I wanted to craft those intentional workplaces where people can you know, feel like they can actually be their best selves. And that means different things to different people, right? To some of us, it means showing up and going through eight meetings a day. To some of us, it means doing our, our quiet work, whatever that means to each individual. How do we tailor the experience so that folks can thrive in the workplace?
1: Thriving in the workplace—such an important thing—and what a journey you've been on of learning and discovery, and not being afraid to change. And how did all this come together to turn turn this into a book for you? How did that come to be?
0: Uh, I love that question. So the main driver of the book is that, particularly over the pandemic, I had noticed that I was in a little bit of a slump, as a lot of us might have felt. People were losing their lives, the world economies were shutting down, and the world just felt like it lost its color. There was a moment where, after the pandemic hit, my organization went through a merger. So, here I was at the helm of, you know, 400 people or helping guide these folks into this merger together while still feeling a little bit unsettled myself. I was losing my social connections because we weren't allowed to see each other. I was losing the things that I so loved doing, like going to concerts, like going hiking for a while because the trails were shut down. Oh, wow. I was like, wow, life just kind of feels a little black. And there was a, researcher, Adam Grant, who actually coined the term languishing, or he named it. It's that feeling of not making progress, not feeling like we can really flourish right at the end of the day. And so I really wanted to see how could I dig myself out of this rut, this creative writing, where I actually hadn't been writing and I had had a writing practice all throughout uh, the the past several years, but that just went away. How could I get that energy back? How could I get the color To see the world at full-fledged, to see it as if it was new again, versus just the same old day in, day out, go to work, go to sleep, go to work, go to sleep. And that's sort of the the beginnings of this idea for how do we cultivate joy to make our lives feel a little bit more extraordinary?
1: So a lot of self-discovery and self-awareness as you went through this this journey through the pandemic, as we all did, but recognizing you needed to help others and to I think be able to help others, you need to help yourself first is what I'm hearing. Is that a fair statement?
0: That's absolutely, you absolutely uh, nailed it. And I think the other thing is that, you know, while we were all stuck inside, we couldn't make any drastic changes. Like I couldn't just get up and move to Cabo or go across the other side of the world to escape the pandemic, right? We were kind of confined to our very own home offices or even kitchens or living rooms or bedrooms. And so I began asking myself, well, if I can't make a drastic change how can I look for the tiny things that already exist? And those tiny things actually showed up in my routines. So I'd wake up, I'd go for a walk in the mornings before diving into work, and I would hear the flitter of a hummingbird wing, or I'd see the same tree and watch it bloom with mulberries day after day, and then pick up a mulberry and eat it. I would connect with a stranger in a grocery store aisle because that was the only source of connection that was available would smile and nod to each other through our masks and kind of share that little moment of humanity. I was like, whoa, these moments make me feel good. They make me feel alive. How do I tease out more of them? How do I grab them from what already exists within my routines?
1: Uh, I mean, you're right. The first time you saw a human, I remember there were so many weeks where I would I'd try to get my children outside of the house every day to go for a walk or something, and it, it, almost like tumbleweeds blowing down the street. There was just no cars, no planes in the air. It was crazy. Yes. So. You're having all these moments of awareness. You're trying to find these moments of joy. How did this? Like, how, how did you find this author coaching program?
0: I love that question. So it all started with a text. One of my greatest friends actually texted me about this program, the Creator Institute, because he was about to be writing a book as well. And he texted me the day before the deadline for the application had closed. So it was like, wow, this is just coming full throttle at me right away. I need to make a decision now. Luckily. I had heard about the program through another friend who had done it, has published a book called Immigrant, which is an amazing story of her journey as an immigrant. And the reason that I kind of decided to go on this journey is a little bit of a culmination of things. Back at that time when I received the text, I was a year away from a milestone birthday. And I wanted to celebrate the last year of a decade with something big. Now, Before I had done little challenges, I I like to challenge myself. I like to take on new habits every day for a month just to see if I can. So one month, it might've been push-ups, Another month, it might've been putting away electronics at 9 PM. For the month of April in 2020, right after the, actually 2021, so a year after the pandemic started, I went on this journey of writing and publishing something on Medium every day for a month. And I did it. All 30 days, I was like, whoa, okay. I set a goal. I told myself I'd do it. I did it. That felt great. And then a month later, the text came through. It's like, huh, there's a little bit of a, a red thread here. There's a little bit of serendipity. And so knowing that I had wanted to close out a decade, the last year of it, with an exclamation point versus just you know our normal standard ellipsis, I thought to myself, what project could I take on to really color the last year of this decade? And then Creator Institute came into view, came barreling down from the horizons, like, wow, a whole year where I can dedicate it to writing a book, to really exploring some of the things that, you know, to write what I know and what I knew was to write about the joys. And then here we are almost a year later, it's about to be published in just a few weeks. And my mind is blown at the incredible process and journey that this has been.
1: For those who may not know, Creator Institute is the book manuscript side of the house, new degree press, the publishing side of the house what i find fascinating and love about that story katya is you set goals you challenge yourself you try to try new habits out you experiment experimented a bit to see what do i like what do i don't like how does it make me feel and when you do that so many times and put that energy out to the universe good things come back to you and here's your friend saying hey you should do something bigger with this and yeah. you know so many times in our lives i think we think oh we want things to happen and we sit on the couch watching netflix and realize like why is nothing happening for me like <laughs> You've got to go out and do stuff, and creation is such a powerful force to draw people up in and create willingness to help you, which is such a, a great part of the story. I love that. So Joy in Plain Sight, Stories and Essays, Celebrating Wonder in the Ordinary, due out late this spring 2022. What's it about?
0: Yeah. So at the core of it, I think it's an exploration on how do we feel more like human beings versus human doings? If you're anything like me or if this resonates for you, you might find yourself flitting from one task to the next, feeling like you're always either behind or catching up on work, on life, and not really finding a moment to pause. John, does that resonate with you personally? I'm curious. Every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's something that I think in, in our world, which has been shifted into something that researchers call the attention economy, where we're not only having to manage our time, We're not only having to manage our energy to be able to show up to work, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our family, but we also have to manage our attention, which we're constantly bombarded with texts, emails, pings, notifications, and it's all coming our way. And that feels super overwhelming. So how do we pause the overwhelm? How do we pause that waterfall of incoming stimuli and actually have a moment to breathe? Now, I was really struggling with that because, as I mentioned, during the pandemic, during the merger, I was working up to 15 hours a day. That's not healthy. That's a recipe to burn out. I became a human doing because I kept doing, 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 never finding a moment to just be. And so join Plain Sight came about as an experiment for me to actually see if I could pull myself out of doing mode and get into being mode, which meant for me paying attention, focusing my time and attention into the small things that to me matter a lot. It's the small things that ultimately create meaning of a meaningful life, like that shared connection with a stranger like taking the time to pause and hear the bird call in a mountain valley or a mountaintop. It's just observing the everyday and really relishing in the fact that, oh my gosh, we get to be here. We get to live on this planet and experience all the different moments in between the colorful, the tragic, the whimsical, the serendipitous, every shade of the human experience. We get to be here. So then I was like, I'm going to write about it. I'm going to write about the incredible joy that it uh, means to be alive and to feel alive and then put it into a book. So that's kind of the origin story of this. I wanted to feel more like a human being, less like a human doing by deliberately training my attention and focusing my attention on the tiny things that ended up mattering most.
1: Human being versus human doing. And I feel like we've sort of been trained our whole lives, particularly now in this digital virtual age we live in to be doing, right? We're connected 24 hours a day. People can reach us whenever we want. We go from one screen to the next all day long. And yes, we are doing, doing, doing. What is the difference between human being and human doing in in your mind, Katya? What did the book teach you about that, that question?
0: Yeah. So the first lesson that I keep coming back to is that it is hard. It is hard to switch off our go-to mode, which is to go, to go, 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 right? Be a human doing. What it means to be a human doing is that we just consistently go to the next step, go to the next task, the next project, the next meeting without taking into consideration, how am I feeling? How am I actually doing? So taking that internal pause to reflect and shine the light on our own selves, What it means to be a human doing, and I would love to hear our listeners' thoughts on this too, because I'm still growing and learning what it means to be a human being, is to sit with oneself and pay attention to how we feel about ourselves and the external world. So if I view a blooming rose in the garden, which we have a rose that just bloomed this week in the garden, can I take that moment to appreciate it in its full beauty, the color, the sound? you know, if you wrestle the, the rose right up next to your ear, the smell, how beautifully 3D the smell feels. And can we take that moment to just hold on and then move on to the next thing? So it's these tiny little beads of pauses that when taken together as a bit of a necklace, give us those momentary moments to be as simple as that sounds, but complex in, in sort of execution,
1: I mean, what a great contrast between the two things and living this life of being present, of enjoying the moments that are around us because life is always filled. We've always got problems to face, don't we? And why not take a break once in a while and stop and smell the roses, as you said. Exactly. Uh, and please, everyone put comments in, in the chat below here of the of the video about Katya's question on you know, how you do this and how you find joy. So getting a book out there, Katya, is a takes work. It takes effort. It takes passion. And I think a big why, what was, you know, you shared your origin story, but what what really drove you through those long hours and late nights, early mornings, getting this thing done? What was your why behind the book?
0: Yes. I, I love that question, especially because it matters so much when we think we can't, or when we feel we can't. I want to take you to a moment where about nine months into the book writing and editing process, I was just burnt out. I was overwhelmed. I was working a full-time job where I'm on and presenting and facilitating for almost nine hours a day. And then in the evenings, during lunches, before work, I was writing and editing. So I was super cognitively heavy. My brain was constantly worrying. And I found it a little bit ironic that as I was writing a book on joy, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed about it. I was like, wow, the irony here is just is very clear to me. And I talked to someone who reminded me to look back into why am I I'm doing this book. The reason that I was doing it is to, yeah, of course, pull myself out. But the real reason is to help others see by one person's experiment. I'm not a genius. I'm not some, you know, great writer. Although maybe you might disagree, but I just wanted to see if I put my story out there in the world, maybe it will have a tickle of an impact to someone who also might feel a little bit more blah and wants to see some more color. And so I wanted, by sharing my own stories, to help other people feel less alone, to reach out and say, hey, I see you. I hear you. Your experience is different. But at the end of the day, we might share some similar threads. I'm going to reach out via my stories, see if I can connect with you and help you see your own Joy in Plain Sight, help you build all of the extraordinary moments that live in the ordinary days.
1: Making joy accessible is what I'm hearing and giving us a way to do that and just create this awareness that we have to stop running for once in a while. We're always running, right? and mm-hmm. take that moment of pause, find that joy and make it accessible. I love this roadmap that you're thinking about. So we've yeah. talked a little bit about the what and the why. Katya, let's let's get into the how. you you talk in the book about this treasure hunt framework. What is that, and how do I how do I use it?
0: Yes. so the treasure hunt framework is something that it really is near and dear to my heart where, The way that we go about our life is via assumptions, right? A lot of how we perceive reality is based on the assumptions that we make about it. For example, if we assume that most people are good, then we're likely to encounter really, really good people. And likewise, if we assume that life has infinite treasures for us to discover and that at least there is one treasure in every single day. We can live with that assumption and say, okay, maybe then it becomes our job to uncover those treasures. Maybe we can be those intrepid treasure hunters going through our everyday moments through the mundane repetition that our lives can sometimes feel like and pluck something out to seek out those little treasured moments that bring us a little bit of joy, that bring us a little bit of wonder, that ultimately make us pause to say, whoa, I'm fully in the moment here whether it's a crunchy leaf on the sidewalk and how delightful that feels, how childlike that might make us feel. I recently saw a hopscotch grid on the sidewalk in my neighborhood. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump through it because I want to be a kid again. And who doesn't want to feel that childlike curiosity, that childlike wonder to color their days? And so as treasure hunters, what if we could go out and make the assumption that we will find one treasure in the day and it's our job to find it?
1: If you go out and look for happiness and good things, right? Right. That's what you find. If we go out and want to be negative and be judgy and compare ourselves to others, I think that's probably what we're going to do, right? So this is a big mindset shift. Here is what I'm hearing. So it's about being deliberate. It's about recognizing this noise. Is always going to be here. Let's take a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? What have you found? What are some of the positive uh, elements of this experience for you? know, why is why is joy important? What what is it? What can it do for us?
0: Yeah. So joy and happiness is linked to higher levels of well-being. When we're able to appreciate the things that we have in life, we at the same time cannot be in a deprivation mindset. So it's either appreciation or deprivation can't be in the same mindset at the same time. So it's a mutually exclusive thing where we can intentionally step into this appreciative mindset and say, okay, these are the things that are going well for me. This doesn't mean that we ignore all the things that are wrong with our lives, with the world, with the overwhelm of the everyday experience of being a human being. It rather means to purposefully focus our attention on the things that we find delightful, on the things that are going well. And so I wanted to take that practice. And you know, John, for some folks, it might mean an actual gratitude practice, writing three things we're grateful for every day. For other folks, it might be a prayer. For me, it ended up being this treasure hunt, right? I'm going to be a treasure hunter looking for that little uh, bucket of joy in the everyday. And that over time is the cultivation of a habit to build a happier life. If we find this thing in the everyday, what does it look like after a week, a month, a year? How does our well-being change? Studies show that when folks are in this appreciation mindset, they tend to be happier, live longer and have better life outcomes.
1: I, I sort of picture uh, filling a bucket, right? Filling a this sort of bucket with happiness or your soul, in this case. And as you fill your bucket every day more and more with joy and happiness, that becomes a dominant force in your life, right? And right versus if we fill our fill our lives with negativity, that becomes a dominant force in our lives. And it, I think happiness. Right. As you said, it's going to make us go through life happier. It's going to improve relationships. It's probably going to improve all aspects of our life. So what a great mm-hmm. message. And I love the practicality of, you know, all of these, none of these things are out of reach, right? We can all mm-hmm. do this every day. And it sounds like, you know, we can start very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you also talked in the book about, this, you know, this chaos that's all around us. You know, how do we, how do we draw lessons from that? Because oftentimes we can feel chaotic and getting pulled from one thing to the next. how, how do we take lessons from that?
0: Definitely. Such a beautiful question. I'm going to kind of narrow the scope of the question of how do we extract ourselves from the chaos and bring about those lessons, those learnings? And I want to point out again to a specific specific moment in time. It was still in the writing and the editing process for my book. And I had just gone through a very long workday. It was a 10-hour workday. So I was drained, but I also knew that I still had about two or three hours of writing to do that night. And I remember just sitting there on the couch, again, melted, doom scrolling on Reddit for over an hour already. I was like, wow, Katya, like you're supposed to be finding joy. What are you doing? Again, the irony here is very lived. And I remember thinking to myself, Katya, you've got a choice. You can either keep doom scrolling and say, okay, this night is about doom scrolling. Or you can say, all right, I've already spent an hour doing this. I have the choice, the option to do something else. And so what really helped me was this trigger. It's a cue that helps me pull myself out of a dark spot. And that is a song by hollow notes. You make my dreams come true. And so I (laughs) made myself to turn off the Reddit app, turn on Spotify, play that song. I was like, well, you know, now that the song is playing, I'm feeling a little bit better here. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to get up off this couch, put the phone down, maybe do a little dance. And then after that, ended up doing a workout, ended up doing more writing work for the ensuing two to three hours and went to bed satisfied because I was like, wow, went through a really hard work day, went through a bit of a, a slump in the evening, but then got myself back up. So a lot of times it can be helpful to be aware of our own cues that can get us into a good mood, whether it's snuggling with a pet, whether it's playing a specific song, whether it's just stepping outside out of our apartment or of our home to just breathe the fresh air. But the hard thing is doing it, right? So how do you? find your why to actually do that step. And that I think is the hardest bridge for uh, most people, including myself to cross, but then at the end of it, right? What's the treasure that we feel? What's the, what's the amazing kind of benefits and outcomes that we may feel? That's where we're kind of headed towards.
1: I love that the why oftentimes is driven towards a goal, right? You've put something out there, but I also appreciate the story of sort of doom scrolling on the couch and finding Giving yourself the permission, to have, being present enough in that moment to say, well, all right, if I need the night off, I'm just going to sort of keep doing this and going down this rabbit hole, I'll mm-hmm. go to sleep, whatever. Mm-hmm. But giving yourself the choice then empowers you to make that decision, right? Is, yeah. is doing scrolling really going to get me anywhere or do I need to get back to writing? And then having that trigger, that song, Holland Oats, I wasn't expecting any Holland Oats references <laughs> today from uh, this this chat, but uh, whatever that trigger is for you, if it's music, if it's maybe a, a you know, a snack, a TV show, it, does, it can be anything, right? Mm-hmm. Just break yourself from that moment and, and move on. Mm-hmm. What a cool idea. And that makes me think uh, uh, I probably could have used some inspiration like that when I, went, when I was getting writer's block when I wrote my book, but I love the music one. That's a, a big one for me, audio. Mm-hmm. So joy can be a habit sounds like there's so many ways you've offered to do that. Did we miss any of them? Yeah,
0: I think at the beginning of creating this joy habit is really identifying our why. Why do we want to create joy? Is it just to pile on another habit on top of our already very full plates? Or is it to feel like we can step into the world anew to make it have a little bit more color? So it's really having a little bit of a conversation with ourselves. Okay, right now, dear self, we're feeling a little bit, eh. And we don't want to feel a little bit, ah, we want to feel amazing and alive and like a human being versus a human doing. So we've identified that gap, right? Almost sort of a little bit sardonically running a bit of a gap analysis on ourselves to pull from the world of organizational development. And if we know where we want to be or how we want to feel, how can we take a little step to get there? The last point that I'll share is something that researcher and uh, author James Clear writes about habits. He has got a book called Atomic Habits, and he has this uh, concept called the Seinfeld chain, which means that let's try to build on our habits day by day, but making sure that we don't break the chain two days in a row. So if you skip finding joy for one day, that's fine. We're human, right? We mess up. We're completely wholly imperfect, but the goal is not to skip the chain twice. So trying to find that joy, maybe jotting it down somewhere on a notebook, maybe just mentally making ourselves remember, ah, yes, I found my little treasure for the day. I can move on with my life. And then making sure that we do that as often as possible.
1: Make it part of our routine, like brushing our teeth, right? Making our bed, like having breakfast, all of these things, and making sure that we're aware that we don't let it go by too long without doing it again. I love your 30-day sprints, the examples you gave of writing on Medium for 30 days and look where it landed you, soon to be a published author. (laughs) Absolutely incredible. Uh, so joy is not out of reach. It's taking that first step. It's focusing on being happy and really determining why you want to do that, which I think if we think about it, probably isn't that hard to do, mm-hmm. right? We want a, a new direction. We want a new purpose in life and we want to be happier. And I think I think that's something we all want. We just don't take this time to stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. So much self-discovery and self-awareness here for you, Katya, it sounds like. <laughs> how would you say this book journey has changed you? You know, what have you learned about yourself further along the way here?
0: Yeah. I think the biggest lesson is resilience where even in those darker moments where I felt overwhelmed. And again, I want to be very transparent and honest about the writing journey. It is hard. It is hard to write and to balance a full-time job and all of the other things that life offers us. And knowing that I'm almost out of the tunnel. I'm almost through all of the logistical things. And I'm really excited for being able to share this joy story with others and to help others cultivate their own joy habits. But the thing that it really taught me is that even in the dark moments, like I have the power to keep going. may not feel like it in that moment, in that day, in that week, where I can say, yeah, this week was actually really tough. Being able to name it and then high-fiving myself, the fact that you did it and doing kind of demonstrating the same thing for others, helping other folks recognize the fact that they might have gone through a really hard period, a hard season, but they came out on the other end. And that's something worth celebrating for sure.
1: That is awesome. You didn't know how resilient you were. I know there were many nights I sat in this very chair at nine. I wrote my book at night after my kids went to sleep. I just needed the quiet to really, it's such a, for me, it's such a focused exercise, the actual act of writing. Learning is great with the cohort, but the actual act of writing, right? You do that oftentimes alone, or maybe some people do it on zoom with others, which is interesting, mm-hmm. but sometimes you sit down, there's that blank screen and the blank screen is the worst, right?
0: And that <laughs> linking cursor, it's like, right, right, right. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm trying.
1: I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, yeah. And it would sometimes take me 30, 60 minutes to get into that zone. But a habit I learned earlier on was sort of, having a bit of an outline to go into that night and not just starting afresh. So finding 15 minutes during yes. the day to prepare for myself. And that made it so much better to avoid that blank screen stare for so long. But I love this concept of resilience and really stretching yourself and finding out you could do more. And what a prize at the end of it, right? Your new book, Join Plain Sight, Stories and Essays Celebrating Wonder in the Ordinary. So cool. So and aside from the book, Katya, what has been an unexpected positive for you in this this journey?
0: I think one of the coolest unexpected positives is realizing that folks tend to resonate with this message of, oh, wow, yeah, I'm also feeling kind of blah about life, but I do want to find that joy. So it sounds like the message already, the way that I'm talking about the book so far, resonates with folks. And what I think is most meaningful to me is the fact that joy can be so universal. Smiling is one of the most universal human features, right? When we smile, that's an unmistakable, cue for us to say, hey, the other person might be experiencing some you know, modicum of happiness. So knowing that it's something that's intrinsic to the human condition and knowing that other folks share, I'm like, wow, this joy message could really spread to ignite a more joyful world. Because John, at the end of the day, what my big, hairy, audacious goal to is to kind of confer this joy in the world. And I know that, you know, there's a song, joy to the world, not a singer, clearly. There's all these kind of um, popular media pinpoints to joy, but how do we actually make that a lived experience? So my goal is to kind of spread that joy, have it resonate through folks' experiences as human beings and actually have them feel it.
1: Finding joy in plain sight, you know, right? So many times we look to others, we look to Medication pills, all of these things, to find this joy, and it sounds like it's all around us. We just have to decide we want to see it, and and then go see it. Take the moment, that pause to do it. So right. I love all the uh, big goals you have to go out and share this message to to lift the world up and help them experience this joy you have and live more fulfilled lives. So beautiful. What would you say is the your big message you want others to hear? Did we did we capture it? Is it out there?
0: I think if we were to concisely summarize it, is one life is hard. But two, we can choose to intentionally see those tiny little things through our routines that make us pause, inhale a moment of wonder and say, whoa, I'm alive. I am here.
1: Let's be human beings, not human doings. What we do, what we say, how we think have an impact on our everyday lives. And we can choose to go down a happy path or a not happy path and I'm with you, Katya. I want to choose a happy path. It, you know, it makes me think of, you know, before I do important things in my life, like interviews and things like this. I will take a moment to pause and talk about how I want that experience to go. I'll close my eyes and think about it. Hey, this is going to go well. I might get nervous, but I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out my way through it and those simple words, putting them in your mind, I think could be such a powerful lesson. And so I just, I'm a big fan of practical, simple roadmaps that can really add up and create such change over time. So what a beautiful message. What is next for you?
0: Next up is the marketing of the joy message. So I hope to get on some stages, confer with universities, organizations, teams to bring a couple of things. One is I've created a joy habits workshop. So helping other folks to build their own joy habits, breaking down into behavioral unit chunks. And then I also want to share this author journey. So book talks on how to write, how to publish, how to do it in this hybrid model that NDP has And also how to pull ourselves out of super dark places to get back on track. Because this journey is not smooth. It's like this. It's a sinuous kind of mountainous journey. So how do we help other folks do the hard thing?
1: Helping others find a better path, finding that joy in plain sight. What a powerful message. Can't wait to see this uh, big book tour you're going to be going on and the workshops and so many great speaking engagements to come. Katya, if people want to learn more about your book and you, where might they go?
0: So I'd love for you to drop me a line. My website is KatyaDavidova.com, just first and last name. You may also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, just search Katya Davidova. Or if you'd like a visual component, feel free to look at Joy in Plain Sight on Instagram. But I honestly welcome any and all emails, messages, texts, because I want to connect with our listeners, our readers to really understand how you process the world. How do you find the joy in your everyday? And the more that we can share those stories, the more that we have a stake in creating a more joyful world.
1: So awesome. Let's all be happier. Let's live better lives. Let's find that moment of joy in all that's around us. so easy to get caught up in the negativity, but we can choose to go on another path. Apparently, I'm not the only one who agrees with this idea. Warren Schaefer, the VP at Medium, three-time co-founder of Startups, Had a great quote for you on the back of the book. Joy in plain sight is truly a joy. (laughs) David Dova's calm zeal for noticing calm zeal, that's interesting. Calm zeal for noticing the wonderful, even in the midst of urban mundanity, is infectious and inspiring. What a great quote. How did that feel of getting that from Warren?
0: Just so warm and fuzzy and incredibly apt of such a pithy way to summarize exactly what I hope folks take away. So Big shout out to Warren and thank you much gratitude for sharing those kind words.
1: Katya's book, Joy in Plain Sight, Stories and Essays, Celebrating Wonder in the Ordinary will be available wherever you buy books online late this spring, 2022. Go out and get your copy now. Katya, great to see you. Thank you so much for joining the creator community and being on the show today.
0: Thank you so much, Sean. It was a true joy and a true pleasure. I appreciate you so much.
1: You've brought me much joy today. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. I'm your host of the creator community, John Saunders.